Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners prepare for exit so you can maximize value and exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights podcast presented by Succession Plus. I'm Daryl Bates-Brownsword and today I'm talking to Jim Barnish, a growth architect who has spent the last two decades as a serial entrepreneur, operator, investor and M&A expert. Hey, welcome, Jim, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hey, why don't you start by telling us a bit about yourself and how you ended up doing what you're doing now? Yeah, thanks, Daryl. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, ultimately, simply put, I'm obsessed with growth, uh, personal growth, business growth, other businesses growth, other humans growth, um, and how really all this growth around me in the background right now. Um, my, my business entrepreneurial bug, if you will, story started when I was 15, grinding away at the growth of my family business. Um, we grew from about 40 million to just over a billion in enterprise value, which was an incredible journey to be a part of. Uh, and my focus was entirely on growth via acquisitions at that point in time and integrations into our core business. Uh, gave me the ability to cut my teeth on the real world, <laughs> entrepreneurial world pretty early. Um, and then over the next couple decades, that obsession started to mature, helping dozens of other companies, a lot of family businesses, unlock growth and value creation on the path towards exit um, or acquisition. And uh, after that, I made my way into the world of venture capital and saw just how many growth stage technology businesses were struggling with growth and thought more capital was faster growth. And that the answer was to always find out that financiers did not see the company as fun, as fun, quite fundable, or capital was put to waste in many cases, mm. um, due to a myriad of, of reasons that 95% of technology companies fail: product market fit, pricing, cost issues, user unfriendly product, failed go-to-market or expansion, things along those lines. And ultimately, those failure points in the VC model um, led me to starting Orchid Black about four years ago. Um, a firm that's focused not only on growing fast, but also growing smart, similar to an orchid uh, that can be durable and grow for over 100 years when intended to properly. And, you know, that's really where we came from. And uh, what we're bringing to the world is essentially the ability to uh, do just what we did in the family business, just what we've been doing our careers, which is build companies, help them realize what transferable value they have in their business, and then help them maximize that value uh, on the other side of an exit. Wow. So a real uh, baptism of fire there for a 15-year-old jumping straight <laughs> into a, a wide world of business really fast. My learner's permit was a little bit different than most. <laughs> Absolutely. And I guess over that time with what you've described, you, you've seen all sorts of uh, you know, business owners do things really well. Uh, and you know, as it's up on the case, a, a number of different mistakes. Um, You've seen it all by the sounds of it. And uh, so in terms of Orchid Black, what's, what, do you have a vision? Have you got a big, big dream, a purpose? Uh, what led you to setting that up in the first place? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really that, that hole in the VC model that, that drove the vision, which is companies that aren't VC or private equity ready, um, companies that have a have built an incredible business and the founders have built something really great, but get stuck at some milestone, whether that's 5 million, 10 million, 20 million in revenue, yep. um, have an exit in mind, but not really sure how to do it. 
um, and ultimately are many times stuck in the day-to-day and not working on their own business and really just need an expert helping hand um, in, in order to figure out how do I unlock the value in my business? How does somebody also not only tell me what I'm going to need to do, but also help me and, and hold my hand as they've done it since they've done it time and time again, as all of our partners have. Yeah. And how do I make sure that I leave a legacy for my family, which is why I set out to build this in the first place is change the world and, and leave my family in a better place on the other side of, um, on the other side of whatever that exit might look like. And so that's what we do is, is we, we work with those founders, um, typically companies between uh, 5 million and 20 million, although we'll serve, Companies a little bit below that and up to about 50 million in annual revenue uh, typically haven't taken on institutional capital, uh, typically in the black, which is part of where, or profitable, which is part of where the word came or the company name came from. Mm-hmm. And companies that know that they need help, uh, companies that have, have gotten to their, their company to a certain point and ultimately are looking to exit within the next three years. Okay. And, and so it sounds like all the the story we've we've heard all too many times. It's uh, all the issues about the owners, you know, got to, having a big dream and then you know taking it as far as their skill set can. Um, often them being the centre of the business, of the business still revolving around them. How do I orchestrate a, an exit? How do I maximise value? Um, so mm-hmm. to do all of this, do, do you guys have a formula that you follow, or is it a case of hey, look, we've got people who've been, we just hire you know the the talent of people who've done it before. Yeah, is there a pattern that you notice? I've got so many questions, so let's just see with those couple to begin with, and uh, we'll keep going. Yeah, those are those are great questions. I mean, ultimately, um, our model starts with what we call a, a value creation assessment and roadmap. Um, we uh, we perform about twenty five of those a year for companies that we believe will be able to help and see at least a hundred percent year over year value increase just by the first few phone calls that we've had with them. What value might be able to be unlocked within their business. Um, and within four weeks or so, um, we'll be able to hand over a roadmap and recommendations that is uh, unique to that company, uh, but leverages our process and, and our team and um, our history of, of building great companies uh, and helping them exit. Um, and out of those 25, we'll take on about a third of those into our program, um, which is um, us coming on helping the companies execute, helping founders beyond just the recommendations come in and execute those recommendations. And we'll do that not only for cash, because uh, anyone can do things for cash, uh, but also for fee for performance to really show that we believe in what we're doing and that we only take on a certain number of companies that we can help the most. Uh, and sometimes that's percentage of sales, sometimes it's percentage of equity, but ultimately it's um, aligning incentive with performance. Uh, which is something that uh, we get really excited about because it's a really big difference maker in the market. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's an exciting space to be in that um, early startup size of business, that that um, five to $50 million bracket. You know, there, there's so much growth, so much opportunity, so many things to get involved with uh, and to get it right and have a big impact. So um, yeah, it, it, it's a fun place. So one of the things you, you mentioned is that you're looking for predictable revenue and you talked about business owners getting stuck or, or what have you at, at 5, 10, 50 or what have you. Uh, out of curiosity, have you found any um, patterns, if you like, of the you know, 
all businesses get stuck for a certain period of time at the five mil mark and it's typically you need to do x to unlock it and there's always a, another period of getting stuck at about one million for example i'm just picking numbers out of the air now and and to get unstuck at one million you need to do this and five and then ten you need to do this Are there any patterns you see jim patterns that we see most are um typically not an exact revenue mark but more of a pre-product market fit and post-product market fit. Um, so, you know, stage of a business, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and typically what we see is uh, most companies don't make it past product market fit or validation stage, if you will, because they rush to build an efficient and scalable company. Um, they rush to uh, take advantage of what they've seen based on their Rolodex or based on, you know, a really good salesperson or based on some product-led growth that they've had but they haven't validated product market fit and they, they haven't had the market beginning to pull them in, uh, which is really a, a feeling that you get once you have actually hit product market fit, especially in the technology landscape. Uh, and ultimately, you know, that's a big area of focus for us is uh, which side of that equation are you on pre-product market fit or post-product market fit? And we have a different team and a different methodology and, and ultimately a different focus around value creation depending on where you're at in that, in that evolution. Um, for the post-product market fit companies, it's typically um, you know, technology founders, brilliant technologists or product founders who've built something really special, may have even seen a lot of product-led growth through their product market fit, but don't know how to scale through channels, don't know how to build a predictable revenue engine through you know, SDRs and, and account executives and things along those lines, a true, a true functional predictable revenue stream um, and don't really understand the conversion funnel and how to really drive people from awareness to conversion to you know ultimately you know that buy cycle that we're all looking for as humans in general businesses operate the same way yeah. uh, and anyone who tells you that the funnel is dead is is just lying or trying to get your business <laughs> uh, because that is a, a core focus and ultimately if you've got a product market fit all it is about a lot of experimentation around what's going to work for your business and then how to scale between a direct strategy and a channel and a channel strategy um, that uh, that really separates you in the marketplace. Okay, so a couple of key key areas of expertise there. Um, have you when when you're working with these businesses you, you mentioned you got a three year um, horizon typically that you're you're working for an exit. What are some of the things you do to help maximize value and, and create predictable revenue? You talked about the, the product market fit, um, but I'm interested now because business owners, if they've put their heart and soul into a business, they've always got some sort of uh, idea of what they think the exit value is um, or, or yeah. what the business is worth today. Um, interested to hear your experiences and how business owners uh, come up with their valuations and um, and how you come up with uh, yeah, maximizing value of what they should be doing to maximize value and hopefully get that real exit value close to their their belief of what the exit value is. Yeah, I mean, um, multiples are high right now and everyone sees the press. Uh, uh, everyone sees what the best companies are getting on a multiple of revenue or on a multiple of EBITDA or however businesses are valued in your industry. Um, ultimately, businesses are not valued simply on a multiple of revenue or multiple of EBITDA. Right? They're, they're built on transferable value of what that acquirer is going to be looking at and the fundamentals that are not only within your business, but the, the fundamentals that are going to connect to their business. Um, 
And so um, when, when, we, when we take a look at a business, we really start with those basic fundamentals. Um, and that is um, part of our value creation assessment and roadmapping process is getting those shored up, aligning the team on an, a, a strategy that is uh, something that the team is fully bought into, which is typically an issue. Um, focusing on what key men are in the business and how to navigate around key men or women are in the business and how to navigate around uh, building process and technology and teams around them versus having you know individual key men that are going to cause the business to get discounted at the end of the day. Um, and once we've got a lot of those fundamentals uh, shored up and in place, that's when we can really begin to build for efficiency and scale. Um, and, uh, and as part of that, looking at who the potential acquirer or acquirers are going to be, you know, whether that's private equity or a strategic sale, um, ultimately, you know, focusing on a number of different potential acquirers that we're going to be partially building towards so that we have a very clear transferable value um, with, that, with, that, with that ultimate acquirer. Um, and too many business owners are often, you know, thinking about today and thinking about what they want, what they want to build and that, that they are the business. And, um, and that's just simply, uh, if that's true, which it, it is in many cases, that's just simply one of the biggest things that's gonna get the business discounted from a valuation perspective. So we really start there with like real expectations of, I know you think that it's worth this because of what things are being said in the market, right? Here's our analysis based on, you know, real world, <laughs> real world uh, valuations and why things are valued a certain way. And so education is a, a big part of it. Um, and ultimately, um, it's typically a, a six month process for founders to really understand um, why things are valued a certain way compared to how they may have traditionally um, uh, been thinking of their business. Um, and those are, those are conversations that are, that are really important to have way before exit. Um, you mentioned three years is kind of our focus. It's, it's really one to three years. Sometimes if a business is growing um, and we can see the path towards a really clear exit in a year that, that gets the founder what they're desiring and ultimately where the, where the business is gonna be, have the highest amount of transferable value. Um, it could be a year, but typically because most of the businesses we take on are struggling with growth, um, it's more like two to three years that are really ramping up that growth and then ultimately exiting um, for a much higher multiple. And I guess it's uh, got something to do with the amount of skills and expertise already in the business and uh, uh, how readily you can acquire those skills if, if you do need them. Yeah, I mean, it used to be enough to have a really great product or a really great marketing engine in technology because there were only so many in the 90s, right? And you see a lot of a lot of those internet age companies would happen then. Um, and you see a lot of technology companies today and what's happening now. And ultimately um, at the end of the day, the core focus is on building a great company from your strategy down to the talent that executes on that strategy, down to the product that that talent builds down to the revenue that's ultimately driven from the product and then the core table stakes operations. And you can almost start to picture a pyramid of top of the line strategy or top of the pyramid strategy, table stakes operations at the bottom. And when people think about value in a business, it's crazy because they oftentimes only think about that table stakes operations and maybe the revenue, right? But at the top is that strategic value that is just so important to keep in mind as part of that transferable value 
and the reason why you know companies like LinkedIn get purchased at the multiples that they have you know by people like Microsoft because there's real moats, there's real transferable value well beyond what historical revenue and historical EBIT are. Yeah, and that value stays once the owners or founders leave. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And that, that's one of the key messages, isn't it, for business owners is, you know, that, that acquirers are looking to acquire your business. And for them, it's an investment. And they can invest their money in your business or they can invest the money elsewhere. And what they want to know is, you know, you've put together some forecasts and they want to know how risky or how likely those forecasts are to be achieved once you leave. If those forecasts require you to be there, guess what? They're asking you to stay and you're now working for someone else. And, uh, and that's where a lot of business owners come unstuck and, um, yeah, and they end up leaving you know, or, or resigning their employment. And unfortunately for them, there's a whole lot of that um, purchase, if you like, agreement um, that's tied up or connected to that. And uh, they end up leaving a whole lot of money on the table. So, Absolutely. Um, well said. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> well, that's, it, it's one of the shames. And it, it's why you know, I guess people like us do what we do, because we, we, we appreciate that that's, that's one of the real issues. So, um, Jim, I'm just curious, um, if, you were, if you were to talk to a business owner today or, or, or an entrepreneur today, and they said, uh, hey, Jim, look, I'm looking at starting my own business. Uh, you've been around the, around the track a few times. What advice would you give me? I think the first thing is always make sure to um, think about exit from the start. Think about um, not only your vision of what you want to build, but its place in the market uh, from the start, problem solution. The basic things that um, ultimately are going to drive the biggest amount of value and, and also your success. Too many technology companies especially are just simply built off of um, a, a, a product that, that doesn't actually serve a market or a, a problem that doesn't really, or a solution that doesn't really have a problem. Um, really think about whether what you want to build is, is uh, an aspirin, right? Something that, that is absolutely necessary or a vitamin that is something that you know, might just be something people want. Uh, people need aspirins in the world uh, and, and vitamins are really just an added bonus. Be an aspirin, be the pill that really everyone needs. Yeah, I think I bet the, the best way you've just reminded me of uh, something I heard many years ago, and it's, uh, it was along the lines that, that there's compliments what you're saying here. Yeah, just because there's a, a hole in the market doesn't mean there's a market in the hole. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard it, but I'm yeah. definitely going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. There's no copyright on that one. As far as <laughs> and, uh, and, and the other thing that I heard you say that um, yeah, a lot of people I talk to say is begin with the end in mind. Yeah, and, and we attribute that back to Stephen Covey. But yeah, it's oh. it's so clear. You know, when's the best time to start preparing for your exit and planning your exit? Well, when you start your business, you need to know because you know so many business owners I talk to, you know, they they they're talking about their exit strategy. Well, they don't have one, um, and when pressed, they go, "Well, I guess a, a competitor will buy us." And we'll yeah. go, "Well, that's great, but it's <laughs> going to give you a competitor is going to give you the lowest valuation possible." And they go, well, right. but we're, we're so great. And you know, why is that? <laughs> like a, well, a competitor's not, they're, they're not respecting your systems, your processes. They're not respecting any you know, proposition-based IP you may have in place. They're not buying your brand. And you know, are they going, what's the chance of them using your brand instead of theirs? You know, so all of those intangible assets you've been building, they don't value. 
they just want your customers and your yeah. customers is the the revenue which is the lowest uh, leg on the ladder um, you, you talked about a pyramid but the customer the revenue base is the lowest form all mm. the additional sustainable value is built on top of that and your competitors don't want that so right. that's why you, you've got to get your business up to a scale up to a size if you really want to get the most of your life work and leave a legacy so that it's acquired by a strategic buyer or a vc because they want your brand that is you know has got some sort of reputation in the marketplace they, they don't want you know, they want your people they want your product they want your marketing machine your marketing channels they want the fact that you've got amazing distribution in this country and and heck we could put our product through your distribution networks and and there's a strategic um attraction to us and um and yeah 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 so so whether we go well let's do it in steps let the, yeah, let's do some acquisitions and scale up and and put our systems through it's the old franchise prototype how do i scale and leverage all the good things i've built but i can't do that on my own i need help i need a management team i need a leadership team i need some sustainable growth pattern or engine yeah and that's that's the sort of things that you're talking about and uh yeah, and I think I think your people really get involved hands-on and act as part of the, you know, they bring their expertise and act as part of the leadership team uh, for your clients, if if I've got that right. That's exactly right. And you know, we've all we've all founded businesses before. And on a more personal note, you know, I think um, one thing to keep in mind for every founder is that burnout is 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 real. <laughs> founder burnout or burnout is actually in the WHO. As a, as a real disease, as a real syndrome. Um, and we think it makes us weak, uh, but it really only makes us human um, to think that, to think about these things and talk about these things. And in fact, a lot of times we don't really even know how to recognize it because startups and growth stage businesses are just simply supposed to be really hard. And you know, my burnout hit more than once at some of the worst times, um, negative impact on both the business and on the personal life. Um, and those things are recognized by acquirers. Um, you know, if, as we're thinking about value, as we're thinking about value creation, but there are ways to navigate around that, similar to bringing folks like you or I into drive value creation and, and exit value, um, you know, bringing in executive coaches to help you navigate your own founder burnout and have somebody who really understands the psychological feeling that you're going through. Because um, depression and founder burnout can get really real, and it's okay to admit these things, because we all go through it, and that's because we're human. Uh, look, yeah, and I'm really glad you you brought that up. It's a it's an incredibly important point. Um, I've seen it. Yeah, we. Yeah, sometimes it it is burnout. Sometimes it's a lot more serious and and, and deep. Mm. But um, yeah, yeah. What they, yeah, we, we see these business owners, they start their business, they've got a vision, they've got a passion, they've got this you know, something that they want to create and build, um, and they want to change the lives of many people in one way or another, um, and 10 years down the track, uh, just because of maybe lack of opportunity or, or lack of skills, you know, entrepreneurs are, are renowned for having great startup skills, but, but then, you know, taking the business to the next level, you know, they're, they're not so good at, we're not so good at. Mm -hmm. they, they end up getting stuck and they be, end up, you know, pouring their heart and soul and their life and, and their identity becomes their, totally attached to their business. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, burnout. Sometimes I call it career board because they're just stuck. They had this vision, 
um, and they're often heading towards the vision in the early years, and then they will achieve their vision, their first vision. And they, they don't create a new vision or a new set of goals. They just continually go through the motions. And, and that's part of their, they're getting stuck because they're not doing anything new. They're not chasing anything and they just get stuck and bored. And then that business becomes a noose and they go, get me out of this business. You know, I'll give it away. You know, what at any cost, you know, just get me out of here. I've, I've heard uh, business owners do that. We come in, you restructure it, you, you give them some management systems, management tools, the agile management system. And all of a sudden they, they end up re-engaged, re-inspired, you know, because they've got a new vision, they're, they're, they're back into their leadership groove, they're inspiring people, they're pulling them along and they go, hey, look, I'm no longer career board. I'm in a totally different job. I've got out of the doing. I'm now working 12 months ahead of the business it's so energizing and uh, it's so rewarding to see that because they're now working 12 months ahead of the business. They're adding value. They're adding real asset value as opposed to revenue value to the business, mm. which uh, is, is, yeah, it's, it's such a big impact on the business and uh, the, the longevity of the business potentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the strategy to grow the business and the strategy to you know grow yourself as a founder or as an executive team are are not mutually exclusive, right? They are they are very much tied together. And the art of building successful companies is actually fifty percent strategy to grow the business, fifty percent personal mindset as a founder. That's one of the things that we found is it's incredibly important to to realize that because it's too too easy to forget about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mindset and confidence. And, and mm -hmm. it is a confident game. You know, one of the things that I've experienced is seeing people who, and, and that they've shared with me, and I'm, I'd be interesting to see if you get this experience is they said, Hey, look, when I worked for someone else, look, I was a hardworking employee. I, I've worked, you know, long hours. I did whatever I had to do to get the job done. Since starting my own business, I'm working just as hard. Like I'm still working hard. But everything about the business, I just feel and live it far more intensely. Um, and yeah, he said, I just, I couldn't explain that to anyone before. Yeah, I would have sworn that, yeah, I, I lived that business as an employee. I would have sworn that I was just as invested in that business as the owner was. But when I became the owner and all of a sudden, yeah, everything's on the line, he said, it just yeah, the intensity uh, lit up and they said and that's just what contributes to the stress and burnout because you just become exhausted and the business feels like a noose around your neck and um, and and the other thing I think which is really interesting is that um, you know that whole identity I am the business the business is me especially if the business has got my name in it yeah and then you know sort of how, how do I get out of the business you know one of the blockers we found is well don't know what I'm going to do next. I haven't got a vision for what I'm going to do after this. So if I haven't got a vision, entrepreneurs love and need a vision to look forward. If they haven't got one, they'll, they'll just stay where they are until they get one. So one of the things that I found to really help accelerate the exit is you need to help the owners realize what they're going to do next, whether if it could be retirement, it could be, could be, you know, I call it life after work because, you know, we just, no one wants to retire anymore, but we just go off and do other things we may be making money doing it. We may not, but we're active. You know, the most successful entrepreneurs are active after work. So we need to help them find what that is. And uh, it's, it's amazing. I'm learning every day about some of the different things people are getting involved in. And um, 
you know, whether they become Commodore or the Yacht Club or Golf Club or, or charities or, or philanthropy. And then, and then there's always the entrepreneurs who want to become angel investors. And, right, right. You know, hopefully, you know, they make some good decisions around that side as well. Yeah, I mean, I, all, all too many of them in a good way um, do want to become angel investors, especially in the technology uh, landscape. In fact, I'm just reminded of of one uh, exit that we had last year where the founder, like all he wanted to do was exit his business and and just invest in other companies because he was so passionate about what other people were building. He had lost some of the passion about what he was building. Um, and it was partly the partners that he had around him. It was partly that he saw revenue declining and, and EBITDA declining and that ultimately he didn't really know how to get unstuck. Um, and you know, we were able to really get him unstuck and, and not only help him on the business front, but like you said, on the, on the personal front now as well. And, and here he is now, he's probably invested in 20, 30 businesses already after the exit last year with the proceeds that he, he got, um, as we had increased the value of the business from 23 million to 36 million, um, in only about seven months, actually. And uh, he's now taking a lot of those lessons learned and applying, applying those to the companies that he's investing in as, uh, as an angel investor. So it's, it's cool hearing you talk about that because that, those are like the best stories, right? When you That's see founders one. who finally got, out, got unstuck and then now they're helping helping other founders. And that's what we do this for. It's really it's cool. So, so that's such a wonderful story and so exciting to hear because you just know these people, they, they just want to share what they've learned and they, they do, they want to give back and they want to give back in their niche. So it's back into business and entrepreneurialism, which is fantastic. Yeah. But Jim, you seem like the sort of guy, you've, you've talked about um, a lot of doing personal development and, and the professional development, which I think is key, by the way. You know, we talk about getting the cultural and commercial balance, um, the commercial strategies in balance. You know, you know, it's great having a business that's commercially successful, but you need to get the culture right. It needs to be a place where people want to show up every day. And, uh, and part of the cultural side, I believe, is having that vision um, so that you can paint a picture of, you know, hey, people, this is what we're building here. This is where we're going. This is the journey. And this is the culture and the style we, we're, we're going on. Is that an area that you, you spend much time on? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you look at any toughest challenges for business owners list and you'll find hiring and retaining employees at or near the top building a, a business of qualified talented people that are going to treat your clients your customers like you would treat them is never easy and it's even harder in the earlier stages of a company where you have a confluence of factors working against you right a million things to do and hiring is a time-consuming process you might not even have the cash to compete with comparable job roles at much larger companies. So how do I make sure that that culture and that impact that people feel um, is there? And, and then you've got the millennial workforce that's, that's entering the scene. And, and then of course, Gen Z down the line, but you know, millennials, let's just state three simple facts. 55% of millennials are not engaged at work. 42% of millennials expect to change jobs at least every two years. And millennial turnover costs the U.S. economy over thirty billion each year. Yeah. Those are those are facts, right? This is these are real things. And and business too many business owners are stuck in the the way things have been and the way that uh, previous generations have operated. And and we've gotta we've gotta evolve. Um, and that talent landscape, that feeling of impact, um, are things that yeah, as you could probably see, I'm pretty passionate about not only in our own business 
products, but also in our in our clients' businesses as well. Yeah. So yeah, look, those are significant numbers, aren't they? And they're yeah, yeah. I think alongside of that, yeah, with the millennials, yeah, we've got the baby boomers, and along with all the baby boomers who are getting to the end of their careers, there's a significant number of them looking to exit their business um, over the next 10 years or so. So there's going to be a significant transfer of wealth. Um, and you've, you know, yes. on top of that, you've got these millennials who are basically saying, hey, I don't, why do I want to buy your business? You know, I'll just start my own type of attitude. So we've got to create real value there because I don't know about the States, but in the UK, I'm hearing you know, from, from the people that 40% of businesses that are taken to market aren't successful in selling. So mm. it's even becoming even so more right. important yeah. to build that value in the business so that in a competitive marketplace of buying a business, yours is one of the ones that uh, yeah, ends up having a transaction. You know, we want, yeah, and while we're touching on that, you, know, you and I talked about employee ownership earlier. You know, we, oh, yes. we want employee ownership you know, not to be a last resort and going, oh my goodness, I can't sell the business anywhere else. It needs to be you know, a, a strategic choice of going, actually, this is the best option, you know, because A, it, it rewards and acknowledges all of those people that helped us build it. It keeps the business in the hands of the people who are passionate about it and, and know it and understand it and can nurture it like, you know, no one else can. And it's the best future for the, for the legacy of the business. And, you know, everyone wins. Now, with a transfer like that, you know, I, I'm seeing that can be really attractive to uh, the, the next generations when done right. Absolutely. When done right. That's a, and that's a key, <laughs> the key part of it. Um, but, but yes, absolutely. I mean, it's always been a age old adage, right? Adage that um, the uh, you take care of your employees, your employees take care of your customers and your customers take care of the business. Right. Um, yeah. And the best way to take care of your employees is by making them, part of what you're building and feel a sense of impact and belonging and that's that's ownership right yeah look i think it's worth repeating that point because a lot of people talk about putting their customers first and go this business is built around the customers i think what you said there is is subtly different but really powerful is build your business around your employees and look after your employees the way so that you're showing them effectively how you want them to treat your customers yeah absolutely Absolutely. Jim, look, we've danced around a whole lot of stuff today. We, we've bounced from one, one topic to the next. It's been fast paced. Um, yeah, there's a lot of ground cover. You've, you, you've raced through a number of really valuable tips. I'm just wondering, what, what, is, there, is there something that, you know, from everything you've shared with the listeners today, that there's something that you think is, is critically important that really worth, you know, I guess, finishing up on and having as that memorable piece? Yeah, this, this may sound a little cheesy, but it's all in our company value proposition. Grow smart and then grow fast, right? Make sure that you're doing the right things at the right time in your business. Um, and that starts, you know, of course, with exit planning and with, with getting validating product market fit. Um, it is uh, incredibly important to grow the right way and not just inject a ton of capital and hope for the best. Um, you know, that is, that is something that I, I am incredibly passionate about um, and something that is, um, you know, really, uh, I think, uh, lost on a lot of folks uh, in today's environment around unicorns, billion dollar companies, things like that, that you just throw cash at something and it'll figure itself out. Ultimately, growing smart is, is a huge part of that equation. And what they don't tell you is a lot of those companies 
that uh, that had cash thrown at them that are now that are now out of business. In fact, 95% of them are now out of business. Um, so that is that is something that is uh, really, I think, true to both my personal feeling of the market and also what the market is telling us based on the ones that are surviving. That's yeah, look, I like the way you put that grow smart, then grow fast. What I heard is, you know, what the picture that came to mind when you said that is, is like a building, get all the founding, the foundations in place, the building blocks, you get the foundations, right? You know, the fundamentals that you were talking about earlier, you're getting the fundamentals, right? Get all those foundations, then you can scale the building on top of that really quickly. And, and you'll, you, know, you don't see much progress um, when the foundations are being built, but all of a sudden then you'll see you know, rapid progress once the building's being put on top of the foundations. I love that advice. That's a, that's a fantastic tip for the listeners today. Spend your time on getting the, the foundations, the smart things right first. Excellent. And don't be afraid to bring in the right experts to help you do it. I think that's, that's something that I had had a lot of hard lessons learning and I was, could figure it out myself and power through it all myself. And ultimately, you know, I, I wish that I had someone like a Succession Plus or an Orchid Black to help me along and, and that I had listened <laughs> a little bit more um, to drive value in my own businesses. Um, and that's something that I think we all struggle with is really taking the time to figure out what gaps we have and then figure out how to fill those gaps, whether it's with outside experts or hiring internal employees. Um, and, uh, that's a, that's, that's something that's oftentimes neglected. Yeah. Let's, uh, bring in the help and get there faster and, uh, less painfully. Yes, indeed. Jim, indeed. they're fantastic tips. Uh, I really appreciate the advice and, uh, ideas that you've shared with, uh, the listeners today. Um, it's fantastic. I wish you all the best with, uh, Orchid Black. Black, I'll get that right. And, uh, we'll be, uh, crossing paths soon. Thank you very much. And if anyone wants to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, at Jim Barnish or Grow Smart, Grow Fast. Uh, I take office hours every week. So whether we can help you or someone else uh, that we know is a great opportunity for you, just if you need someone to talk to, um, I take our office hours every week and happy to help. Yeah. And we'll put all those contact details in the show notes. Okay, perfect. Great. Thanks, Jim. Yep. Thank you.